Welcome to a bonus episode of Tim Talk, the podcast every once in a while about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm so excited. <laughs> and Cameron Dexter. And he's Cameron Dexter. Uh, but no, we're finally going to do an episode talking about Disney Plus. Yes. So they uh, finally paid us enough money for us finally. to talk about Disney Plus. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been out for a few weeks now, so Cameron, I, I credit you on your patience in uh, well, I, I, letting it go this long. Yes, I wanted us to, it definitely wasn't a timing issue, that certainly was not the problem, but I, I wanted to fully like be with the service for more than, you know, get out of the honeymoon phase exactly. of me being with the service uh, and fully like appreciate it for what it is. Like, because I have such a natural habit to just like click on the Netflix logo because I have it in my uh, bookmark yeah. uh, bar. I'm like, ha- will that change? Has that changed? Uh, like, has my routine changed at all because of you, this? You wanted to fully be in the world post Disney Plus. Yes. Uh, ADP. Mm-hmm. To really know what it would be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my end, I just don't have time to watch anything anymore. But also, given how much we're enjoying Static... And that we spent a lot of time diverting away from Zeta when we were doing Zeta. I definitely <laughs> want to try and give us a little bit of like runway on static. So yeah. this seems like a natural point. Plus the holidays, we have to record stuff early. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this we won't have any of the normal stuff. We're not talking really. We, we have one major news topic. We're not yes. really talking news. We're not doing notes from friends or plugs. We're just kind of talking about this one specific Excuse me, thing. Also worth noting... Um, this is basically just me doing a cover our asses, essentially. But you know, it is worth acknowledging that Cameron, you and I both work, though we're kind of on the outskirts of things, we both work for pretty major players in yeah, the so industry it, at this point. I'd appreciate if everyone listening could just sign a quick NDA for us. Yeah, exactly. That'd be super convenient. Thanks, guys. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, but like we we both work for uh, companies that have a pretty substantial role in the business in some sort of capacity. Um, but whatever we talk about on here, it kind of goes that saying, but I'm saying it officially. So <laughs> it, it, I guess it actually has to go with saying. Yeah. Uh, whatever we talk about, whatever knowledge we have, it's either opinion or public knowledge. None of it comes from the, whatever little bits of information we glean while we're at work, which frankly is essentially nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Though they're both major companies, we are on the outskirts. We're, I'm so So, far down the totem pole. So far down the totem pole. Nothing of any real consequence ever even comes across our ears, but worth acknowledging up at the top, just this is uh, all of our opinions and stuff we get from public sources that the stuff we're going to be discussing. In case any of our coworkers are listening. Exactly. Yeah. I hope not. In case, in case HR is listening. Yes. Uh, which again, also, I really hope not. <laughs> but uh, the the first thing we want to talk about, and eventually it'll kind of segue into our major topic, which is just everything and all things Disney Plus, is there's kind of a, a a discussion happening right now about a very specific thing, which is the Paramount consent decrees. Yes. Sorry. Gonna, let, me, let me say that the right way. Paramount consent decrees. Yes. I don't know what consent is. Yes, consent. Um, so th- we're, we're going to dive into kind of like a legal case that's been going on for a little bit. Uh, we'll try and make it sound as interesting as possible. But I mean, we're an entertainment podcast. We go to the movies all the time. Yeah. And I assume people that listen go to the movies all the time. So this is a pretty important thing it, for people that like enjoy cinema. It, it, it That's the thing. It's ultimately, it actually is really, really important. And you know, even if you listen to this because you really just care about the DCAU. Ultimately, what we're talking about could have some kind of effects on even access that sort of content at the end yeah. of the day. Uh, but I, I mean, for me, I think it's super interesting. But yeah, it, it, for those that might be bored, mm-hmm. sorry. So, uh, so do you want to give a, a quick uh, rundown of what yeah. the decree is? So essentially what it comes down to is there was a, a legal case in the 30s and based on the article I read today, I guess it was finally settled in 1948. Mm-hmm. But uh, So we're going way back in history here. Yeah. But essentially what happened was the government sued paramount but essentially paramount standing in for yeah. all major yeah, studios at the time yeah um and the consequence of that case was that studios could no longer own picture houses they could no longer own the means of distribution which was really critical because essentially it was helping to uh break up a vertically integrated monopoly so for those who don't know a vertical monopoly is when a company owns every step of production on something so in the case of the entertainment industry, a, a vertical monopoly would be someone that owns both the actual like physical production of something um, and then ultimately the distribution of it. It's kind of like the two major halves. There's obviously lots of other intermediate steps in between. But the reason why this is really critically important is owning distribution 
creates inherent biases. Mm -hmm. So what used to happen back in the day is essentially if you were going to a Paramount owned theater, they would probably be screening almost exclusively or potentially exclusively just Paramount movies, which meant that you didn't have, if you, you know, only lived near one theater, which probably for a lot of people was more or less the case Mm -hmm. at that time, you could only see certain movies. So you were limited to what you're able to have access to, which which created a monopoly. It also meant that um, even if a theater was showing multiple movies Mm -hmm. from different studios, uh, a major studio could come in and say, okay, well, um, we, if you want to screen our, our big movies, so a, a modern example, the example that was used in this, this article from Slash Film, is if you're Paramount mm-hmm. and you know a theater wants to screen the next Mission Impossible movie, a movie that's going to do really big business, you um, can basically also force upon that theater things that you know aren't going to do well. Yeah, you can strong arm them, strong arm them into playing yeah, a movie they're not expected to do well but it's still give it has to have the same amount of screen time yeah as a movie that's not going to give us a lot of money but give you a lot of foot traffic and money exactly so what's happening right now is that the the justice department is considering um essentially removing these restrictions and it would be they kind of describe it as a sunset period over a couple years when they would change some things but there are a lot, a lot of potential negative consequences. A for lot this. of negative consequences. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's like maybe like one or two shining lights that come out of this. Yeah, the negatives way, way outweigh exactly. The so, and, and we're basing most discussion on this article you sent me from Slash Film, but mm-hmm. it, they even acknowledge one positive thing is okay. So, for example, this changes. So now. Netflix owns uh, movie theaters. Netflix mm-hmm. is able to either build or buy out theater chains. So. What could be beneficial is a couple of things. One is some of their smaller movies that, you know, are only getting put on Netflix. They might actually be able to get onto more big screens, which Mm -hmm. I think in general is a positive thing. I think there's a lot of really quality, high quality films that aren't necessarily getting that sort of traction, which would be good. Absolutely. The Night Before Christmas. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) The the K, the (laughs) Night Before Christmas. Yes. For example, uh, not to be confused with Last Christmas, which I was convinced was a Netflix movie, but apparently mm-hmm. is not. I did see it. I, I think I told you that. We, we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, you, you, uh, you nailed your prediction. Yeah, I, I had it down from the moment I saw the trailer, what was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that would be a positive thing, or they could offer up subscription services, kind of like what AMC is doing right now, which I have it. You you also have it, right? I do not have it. You should get it, man. I know. I only go to, I only you go only to go the Grove. So I, yeah. I get it. But it's like, you know, so that's great because it's 20 bucks and you can go see multiple movies and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So there's the potential for that, that you could get, you know, a subscription model for going to a theater, see stuff you wouldn't be able to see before, which these are all good things. Also, it's subscription model, so it's great for business. Mm-hmm. But I think the the negatives far outweigh that in the yes. end. Yes, because that's that's a positive for the big cities. So LA, yeah, New York, true. Chicago, Dallas, they'll have these pop-up theaters. Yeah, there are so many theaters in LA we can go to and ones that like Arclight specialize yeah. in really small movies you wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. see at an AMC. I, I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this test really fast. If I do a five-mile search, how many theaters do you think we could get to from this point? Fifteen. That's, that's actually a pretty good guess. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just I'm basing off the ones I can think of off the top of my head. We're not going to run through a list, which no, I'm very I'm tempted gonna, to do. I'm just going to count them over. I, I want them to know where you live. Yes. <laughs> yes. From my zip code, which is beep, yeah. you can get to... Oh, fuck it. Everyone knows where I live. Yeah. It's some Hollywood. It's my fucking Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, I don't know if this is five miles, but I, I zoomed out until I could see Universal City. Okay. Uh, twelve. So one at Universal City. Oh no, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Got by one. Damn, that's pretty fucking good yeah. though, for outside my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, we have lots of theaters here. But ultimately, what this wouldn't, as much as it would affect theater goers in major cities, it would affect people in not major cities significantly mm-hmm. more yeah so, th- so there were two methods um studios would strong arm uh the, the the chains and so the main one was um bundles yeah so like hey if i'm giving you mission impossible you're also gonna have to take this movie know, we know is a total uh, turd prince of persia i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which was disney <laughs> yeah, i know <laughs> so the first one that came to my mind I'm like what's an average film 
Okay, fine. If you're um, Sony, we're gonna make you. If you want Spider-Man Far From Home, you're to take Spider-Man Two. Exactly. You're, you're, you're gonna have to take the Amazing Spider-Man Two. You're gonna have to take Men in Black Three, which maybe theaters wanted. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you're, we're gonna force upon you movies that we know aren't gonna do well for you, and you know aren't mm-hmm. gonna do well for you. Yes. So, so that was one method. The the they did the same thing, but in reverse, called uh, block booking, mm-hmm. which is also something uh, cable companies used to do, uh, or not. Uh, come to uh, tv stations would try and do uh so for films it's uh basically like hey uh if you want to play avengers in your theater then you can't play justice league when it comes out yeah uh so kind of incentivizing choosing us over the other uh and then there was a third aspect which i just i watched the video to, to kind of understand it a little more mm-hmm. uh there was an addendum added to this uh later on uh but it was um, I, I, I put the quote down. Uh, studios are, man, are, are mandated to provide a viewing of all films prior to negotiation yeah. and release. Um, which, which basically means... Um, it's a quality check. Yeah. So like, what, what studios, what theaters get to do is before a movie comes out, they send a representative of their theater to go and watch the movie. And that person kind of guess or yeah, makes a guess of how popular it's going to be how many screens they need to put it on how yeah. long it's going to run and then they can negotiate with the studio on a price point after that yeah because and i don't know a lot about distribution mm-hmm. from what i've read up on it again for this podcast it seems like a lot of this stuff is done by a, a movie by movie basis or maybe like yeah uh, I, it, it absolutely is done by movie by movie basis yeah. yeah that that was not always the case though exactly so yeah essentially what could it could come down to here is that they wouldn't have to do this anymore they could mm-hmm. just be like you don't get a chance to see these movies ahead of time. So you just have to decide essentially without any sort of knowledge of what the movie's going to be, what you do with it. Yeah. Which puts theater chains in a very precarious situation. Right. Cause you could have theater. Uh, Cause I, w- I was watching another video about this. You, you could have theaters that if you think about the past, put all of their money into one big summer hit. Yeah. So if we think of the past, like, Oh, Valerian, I know nothing about this movie, but it looks beautiful. A lot of people are talking about it. That's gonna be the movie of the summer. Based on a comic book, Avengers did amazing. Yeah, it's so I'm going to gonna block do out half our theater for a month. Yeah, for Valerian screenings, um, and I have no way to tell if that's gonna be a good idea or not because they're not showing me Valerian. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, it, it disempowers theater chains. Yeah, um, and you know there are already some complicated politics that goes into this. So. Uh, I don't remember if it was this article or another article I read, but it was talking about uh, The Last Jedi. So you may recall there was some controversy around theatrical exhibition of The Last Jedi. Essentially, um, Disney... It's interesting we're spending a lot of time talking about Disney because we're not starting out great with them. Yeah. But Disney essentially dictated, specifically The Last Jedi, that they would get 65% of the box office, mm-hmm. which I don't know what a normal distribution breakdown looks like, but I mean, this article pointed out that it was considered, and I quote, draconian yeah. in terms of what it would get. They also were insisting that theaters uh, book it all, like any theater showing it had to have it in theaters for four weeks, which, you know, that's a big movie, so that makes sense. But at the same time, you, maybe you're in a, a small town. It's holiday season. Lots of movies are coming out. You know, like, for example, the town I grew up in, there's a lot of theaters nearby, but there's, like, one local theater that, you know, I try and go to when I can just kind of help support it. It's a really beautiful theater. Yeah. They have two screens. So all of a sudden, imagine one of your screens for a month solid around the holiday season can only show Star Wars. Well, everyone has already seen it within maybe two, two and a half weeks. So then you're essentially forced to program something for two and a half weeks when you know no one's going to be going and also, you're losing out on the potential revenue of having something else come in and slot in its place. Exactly. So that sort of stuff was already happening now when there are still uh, blocks and monopolies and some of these sort of dirty practices in place. Take all these away, and all of a sudden becomes a lot worse. Mm-hmm. So I guess if we want to try and relate it to, like, what does this mean kind of more on a consumer level, why this is really problematic for people who just go to the movies and don't care about the nit grit of the business is, one, where this go away, I think it ultimately comes down to less choice you're gonna have less options in a theater yeah and we have <clears throat> we we're kind of in this boom we've been in this boom for the past i don't know 10 years i would say where indie studios are coming out of the woodworks and making their own stuff the biggest component being a24 yeah so or, or like a blumhouse <clears throat> that you know yeah. jumps in and, and makes these small movies and makes huge huge amounts of money yeah and they're all 
you know, the majority of these movies are high quality movies. Parasite was one they referenced in this article. Oh, yeah, Barbara Joho's movie, yeah. <clears throat> um, which I'm not going to watch it, but I've heard it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, basically, what this means is the like these studios are the ones that aren't going to have a voice when it comes to these big fights. Yeah. We're going to have... It's not really going to affect Marvel, Sony... Uh, sorry, Disney, Sony, uh, Paramount very much. Because they're already... They already have that kind of yeah, power. because they're the people that will have the power immediately. It's, yeah. They can be like, "Hey, Disney's like, hey, if you want this, you're also going to have to take a uh, wrinkle in time." <laughs> it's like, "Oh, but we were we were planning for you know, if you want, yeah, you're going to play New Mutants. Uh, well, oh, we were going to plan for the next uh, Blumhouse film. It's yeah. Like, oh no, you're going to we're pushing them out." Yeah. You, you won't have space in your theater because you have to play our movies. Yeah. So that's what's, that's one of the big consequences. I think, you know, what it's also ultimately going to come down to is it's going to put a lot of pressure onto smaller theater chains. Yeah. You know, who are already hurting in a lot of ways. Like, we can all acknowledge that movies are ridiculously expensive now. Mm-hmm. I mean... Have we talked about the tier system that studios are trying to... No, in place. we haven't, actually. Uh, so the, uh, a, a separate article I read was kind of tying into the same thing. Uh to try and make more profit for, or to try and incentivize theaters more. Oh, okay. They, they wanted to, studios wanted to implement a tier system. Oh, I've heard about this, yeah. Yeah, where like more indie films that aren't going to get as much traction, they're already limiting them by not putting them as many screens, but they're going to have them cost less. It's yeah. so, like you can go see Parasite for $7, or you can go like, or you can go and see, you know, uh, what's a big movie that just came out? Uh, Charlie's Angels, Avengers, uh, whatever. Avengers, yeah. uh, or you can go see Avengers for eighteen dollars, and so that would, from one perspective, would incentivize people to go see these smaller films because it's less money. Yeah. But what that actually is going to mean is tickets are going to stay the same price. But now, if you want to see Endgame, it's going to cost you thirty dollars a ticket because yeah. now it's a quote unquote premium film. Yeah, essentially, it's going to become, uh, yeah, surge pricing of sorts for a movie. Yeah something they would absolutely love Which to is have fucking happen. bullshit and yeah it is totally something that yeah is a possible future yeah and you know the 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 con i mean part like there's a movie theaters are hurting right there are alternate forms of entertainment now i mean we're, we are about to spend most of the podcast talking about a, an ott streaming platform that is now going to make fewer people go to theaters in the, the day when content is at your fingertips why would you make the effort to get into yeah. a movie theater? last week was i think the first week this year i didn't go to the movies yeah, there you go. See the great example of that, right? It's like when you have it so much easily accessible, why would you go? And so theaters are hurting because people aren't going quite as often. So that's what they're having to rely on all these other things to try and make money. Like at the end of the day, the AMC subscription thing, though it's really nice, I do not see probably even one movie a month, you know, much less like the two that makes it really be cost effective. Yeah. That's good for them. They really want to get you in there, and that's why they offer like all these food and gifts. And, like like they're all yeah, these. So, are, so for people that don't know, I think it's pretty common knowledge, but uh Movie theaters make their money off of concessions. Yeah, they don't make so it off of the why, exhibition. Yeah, uh, basically all profits on tickets go back to the studios. Yeah, and I don't know exactly how it works, but my understanding is that as time goes on, the theaters themselves make more of the percentage. I think it's after week three. Yeah, it's like the, the percentage changes as time goes on. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the nice thing is, is when you have a movie with a really long leg, so like Avatar, of course, the classic examples, mm-hmm. Making Avengers Endgame. Finding Nemo. yeah. The longer they're in theaters, the more actually the the theater chains themselves make. Yeah, which is good. And I think I think what ends up happening is I think you start to get this mindset of like, well, the the immediate bad guy in this situation always feels like the movie theaters because they charge so much for tickets and like. I mean, to be honest, usually when I go to a movie now, something is going wrong. It's usually another part of the theater, but usually someone's being obnoxious, someone's on their phone. Like, it's not the greatest experience. Mm-hmm. So you start to villainize those people and think like, oh, it's the theaters that are you know, making all these things so expensive. It's like, well, they're still a business and they're struggling to kind of keep up with this sort of stuff. And a change in these sort of rules is only going to give more power to the studios. It's going to lead to higher monopolies. And the other thing it's going to potentially lead to is further consolidation of companies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were talking about how some like a, like a Blumhouse or A24 wouldn't have the same sort of like political or industry clout to go up against a major studio, which means that they're now going to have to start clumping together to fight, to mm-hmm. have the sort of uh, power to go up against these. Sort or of even companies. worse, get bought out. Yeah. And the, yeah, I mean, the fact we talked Disney's about Disney's A24. Right, exactly. We've, we've talked about this and we are seeing some of the benefits of it. But at the end of the day, it's a really bad thing that Disney bought Fox. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a really bad thing. I mean, great. We're getting X-Men in the MCU at some point. You know, the Simpsons are up on Disney+. Plus. Fantastic. But they had a better streaming service already. Yeah. That's what's so frustrating about The Simpsons. Okay, sorry. I know, I know. But, like, the, the end result of all this is that th- this is bad. Like, it's pretty obvious to say this. Monopolies are a problem, which is why things like antitrust laws exist in the first place. Mm-hmm. We are seeing further consolidation across all businesses, but especially entertainment, in monopolies. So any sort of pullback on the laws that are in place to try and prevent problems from happening is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a tangent to this worth acknowledging is one of the consequences of Disney buying out Fox. And maybe you've come across this someplace else is that now for-profit theaters aren't allowed or are making it hard or finding a harder time to show Fox films. So there's a lot of like Fox has this massive back catalog. Mm-hmm. So, you know, holidays, like not holiday season, but like, yeah, sure. Like holiday season rolls around. So, you know, theaters want to do a screening of like Miracle on 34th Street or maybe like Home Alone or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or around Halloween, they want to do a showcase of Alien or Aliens or anything that's like, you know, Die Hard is a movie that gets a lot of replay in small mm-hmm. theaters. And there are a lot of small theaters that actually kind of rely on exhibition of movies like that to bring in, you know, money to help support them. Yeah. You know, you and I love to go see movies that we've already seen in a theater because we've never seen them that way before. Yeah, we, we saw, uh, I think, you, you go more than I do, but we, we saw Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, I saw that at um, Quentin Tarantino's New Bev. I've seen a couple of James Bond films mm-hmm. uh, from before my time in, yeah, in theaters. Yeah, I've seen Rocky Horror a couple times. Yeah, and, and you know what's basically happening is that Disney is really restricting people's access to the Fox back catalog. Yeah, they're, they're trying to uh, re-implement their vault system. Exactly. So now extending the vault mentality to Fox properties and making it harder to get exhibitions of it, which is really problematic. And oh, wait, can, I, can I do one quick comment on the vault? Please. I think only you would care about this and the and, and people that are listening. Uh, the new head of Disney Parks is the guy that invented the Disney vault. Oh, that's not good. Isn't that terrifying? That is absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> Everything is limited and exclusive now. We might have to do an episode at some point on where we think Disneyland's going to go in the future. I would love to. Um, I know, obviously, you would love to. <laughs> I, I have some very cynical thoughts. That is a conversation for another time, I think. But yeah. it, it, that is an interesting aside that is horrifying to me as someone who mm-hmm. loves going to Disneyland. Um, but what? So, so not sorry. It's not just Disneyland. He's the head of all Disney. All parks. Disney parks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is another thing that's it's going to be problematic and it's funny you mentioned rocky horror but that's the one they haven't really gone after i think because they realized if they did that there'd be like massive revolts oh but so many drag revolts. but it also makes me realize that we really need to go to one of those rocky horror screenings soon Mm because we may not be able to before too long as a personal side that has nothing to do with anyone that listens to this yeah except for shane yeah but also if you guys have not done if you guys enjoy the movie rocky horror and haven't seen it live it's it's a whole another experience yeah i've never gone to like a big theatrical screening i went to uh, a couple Halloween's ago, I went to a, a a live drag screening of it at Flaming Saddles, which is my favorite gay bar in West Hollywood, mm-hmm. where they play the movie and then during the songs they have live drag performances of it. It was one of the greatest things I've Amazing. ever done. Yeah, it's fucking. Fantastic. If anyone's seen Perks being a wallflower, that's where I first learned about these live shows. Oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's such a great movie. It's a great thing, but you know, I mean, that's a problem. And kind of segueing into our, our primary topic here one can easily see where the incentive is for Disney to restrict this sort of stuff because they want it all on their OTT platforms. Yeah. Which we're going to get into a lot of things we're enjoying about Disney plus, but the fact that every studio now wants one is working on one. I find a little bit troubling. You know, the, the nice thing about Netflix and Hulu is that the content was diverse. You could get stuff from everywhere. It was kind of like a one-stop shop, or I guess in this case, kind of a two-stop shop mm-hmm. to more or less get all the content you would want. And we're seeing lots of properties now getting pulled off these platforms to go exclusively onto the OTT things. Um, you know, for example, all future Marvel releases will only be available on Disney plus, And we're basically, they're just waiting out until, the uh, you know the um, the licensing agreements are done with Netflix to pull what's up there down and move it over, so it's concerning. Yes, on some very, level, very very much so. But it, it's something that no one is really talking about right now. Like yet, uh, one of my coworkers sent me this slash film, and I'm kind of sending it to everyone. This uh, slash film uh, article 
I'm kind of thinking it to everyone because this is something that will affect, you know, so many people. Yeah. Uh, especially the nerd community. Yeah. We love our movies. We do. And theoretically, stuff like streaming makes it easier to get a hold of, but they may not always end up being the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Disney Plus intent is. I feel like maybe they'll do some vault esque elements in terms of what's up on there. I'm still very worried. I that the price point is still way too low for me to feel like everything is okay. Yeah, like there, there is something going on they haven't told us yet. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because the thing is, is that as it exists right now, Disney Plus, goddamn, is it worth the price? Holy shit! Yeah. I mean, it's. Seven bucks a month. You and I both did the the pre buy deal thing, so it's like what it was one hundred and forty something for. It was one hundred sixty for three years. Three years. Yeah, That's and that insane. also includes Hulu and ESPN. Yeah, but I didn't do that because I have uh, no ad Hulu, and I couldn't I couldn't get a definitive answer if I could keep that while bundling. Oh, I mean, oh, I my friend still pays for our group Hulu, uh, so I just have it, and I it's really for ESPN that I'm just giving my stepdad. Oh, okay, that's fair because mm-hmm. I don't give a shit about sports. Yeah, so I did not care about ESPN. And all the Olympics will be on NBC anyways. That's true. That's the only sports that I ever watch every two years. So, Mm -hmm. but no, I mean, look at its current price point, it's absolutely fantastic. And there's good stuff on it. So I I have only watched uh, the first three episodes of Mandalorian and I rewatched Rogue One because I've been dying to watch it and I knew it was going to be on there. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've watched so far now. Do do we want to talk about the Mandalorian first? Then you can go to everything else you've watched or how do you want to do this? uh, Let's talk about what's missing first. Okay. All right. That's fair. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's some stuff that has shocked me that it's not on here. Okay. So I've kind of broken it up into three tiers of what's not quote unquote on Disney Plus yet. Uh, so you have the the stuff that's listed uh, that has like an icon you can click on it, uh, but it's not on the platform yet. Mm-hmm. That's majority stuff that um, Disney has contracted out to other streaming services, uh, and so they will get the rights within the next two years. Okay. Uh, then you have all the Fox stuff, which, uh, per rumors that have been going around for the you know since Disney Plus was announced, that's going to basically take over all of Hulu. Yeah. Um, and then you have the stuff that is Disney property that's just not even mentioned anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest ones that that will be coming to the service in the next uh, year or two, um, you have like Agents of Shield, Cloak and Dagger, the Muppets TV show, uh, Star Wars Holiday Special, uh, Last Jedi, Solo, Incredibles two. Uh, Tarzan wasn't on there, which really shocked me. Interesting. Uh, Sky High, Into the Woods. Oh, Sky High. Uh, most of the live at recent live action <laughs> stuff. So the live action Cinderella, Tomorrowland, Alice in Wonderland one and two, Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast, Mary Poppins Returns, Wrinkle in Time, Dumbo, Lion King, uh, and Aladdin. But then the other ones, which kind of shocked me, were um, all three Mighty Ducks are not on there. Uh, and I only know Mighty Ducks 2 is on HBO Go right now. Oh, interesting. So I don't know where 1 and 3 are. I don't know. Um, uh, also, tangent there. Uh, so the like the, the fatter kid, the fat kid in the Mighty Ducks, mm-hmm. uh, he has grown up and is now gorgeous and is a bartender in WeHo. Oh, that's good to know. He's straight, but he's very, very handsome. <laughs> that's what always happens. Isn't it? Yeah. It was like Jerry O'Connell was the same way. It was like, oh, it's the fat kid from Stand By Me. Like, oh, now he's repaired to Rebecca Romaine? God damn, mm-hmm. good on you, bro. Uh, yes, yeah, so that, that's just the things that I have found so far that I have been searching for. Uh, I will get into the many faults I have with the streaming service in a minute because there are many things wrong with the streaming service. Okay. Uh, but uh, for uh, Fox things, I was just thinking about the kids stuff that might be, that might, that, that could exist on Disney Plus. Uh, American Tales, no, Anastasia, Alvin and the Chipmunks franchise, the Ice Age franchise. There's an Ice Age short that's on there. Oh, yeah. Um, the Night of the Museums and the Percy Jacksons. Oh, okay, yeah. That's, that's mm. interesting. Uh, yeah, those are not listed anywhere. They're, 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 there's no connection to them and Disney Plus yeah. as of, as of so recording this. It's worth acknowledging that the, the perspective of Disney Plus, as far as we know, is only to put up stuff that is family-friendly. That that's my idea yeah. for it. Yeah. So we're not going to see, for example, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I I would be su- up on Disney Plus at some. I point. I mean, if they want to make a third icon that's Disney After Dark, or sorry, a sixth icon. Yeah. Uh, was it you that made a comment Deadpool. that as a result of this, now technically uh, Frankenfurter is a Disney, Disney queen? princess? Yeah, <laughs> actually, absolutely, he is. <laughs> uh, 
I love it. And so then I have a list of Disney-owned properties that are not on there, uh, some of which no one will have ever heard of except for me because I, I dove deep into this Well, that's one. why we have you here, Cameron. Yes. Uh, so the biggest one, which I'm very shocked, uh, and I've talked to a lot of people about, is Enchanted is not on there. Really? Which is a Disney princess film. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no mention of Enchanted on the app. Do uh, so you think that's just Amy Adams trying to bury it? That's what I keep saying. But I don't get it because uh, there, there, yeah, there has to be some contract issue with all of these. Yeah. I, I have said it before, maybe not on this podcast, but friends of mine will know I've said this a lot. I miss old Amy Adams when she, because she's talented. She's obviously yeah. super talented, but like she also is a really great comedic actress. For those mm-hmm. of you who haven't seen Drop Dead Gorgeous, which is a fucking hilarious film, she's in it. Um, but I feel like all she does now is just like, she only does movies cause she's like so desperate to get that Oscar. Yeah. And I miss like fun Amy Adams. Yeah. I, I feel like we, I don't want to hate on her, but I feel like we can kind of say the same about Emma Stone. Oh, I totally feel the same way about Emma Stone. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I liked, uh, Zombieland 2 so much. I know. It's like, nice to see her in her roots. Know, right? Uh, so Enchanted is not on there. Uh, sing with the, the bigger named things. Uh, the, all the Air Bud movies are not on there. Oh my God. What Bud a travesty. Movies. Isn't it? Um, the obvious ones, uh, Incredible Hulk and Hulk are not on there because they're still technically owned by Universal. Yep. Um, My Date with the President's Daughter, which is... Uh, <laughs> Will Friedel, right? Will yeah. Friedel, yeah, it's not on there. Uh, Angels in the Outfield and Angels in the End Zone are not on there. Oh, Angels in the Outfield. Uh, okay, so those... Uh, and then uh, Proud Family. The movie is on there, but the series is not. It's not? Isn't that crazy? That's a shame. So my... So there's a, a, a handful of animated things on here from around the early 2000s. Kim Possible? It is on there. It's all I've been watching. I, yeah. Literally the only thing I've been watching. Um, but I feel like the studio that made... there. I think there's one studio that's having contract issues because all the shows that aren't on there kind of look the same. And I haven't done the research yet, but I feel like they're oh. all done by the same by the same house. Oh, maybe like a production company. Yeah. Oh, that could be interesting. So now diving into the deeper cuts... Uh, <laughs> Wait, sorry. You have deep er cuts? Oh, I have tears. Oh no. Um, <laughs> T- T- tears of misery. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's a show called Sunny with a Chance, which was uh, Demi Lovato's series, live action series from 2000, started 2008. So Random was the spinoff of that. Um, Pepper Ann is not on there. Lloyd in Space is not on there. Fillmore is not on there. Even though technically they all started on ABC but so did Boy Meets World. And if that counts, then these count too. Yes. Uh, uh, bah, 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 bah. Um, my, the show that made me, there are th- two things that really made me upset. There's a show called American Dragon Jake Long. Yes. Which was an amazing, amazing animated series from the mid-2000s, 2005, 2007. Um, I'm very sad that's not on there, and I don't know why. The biggest travesty is there's a show from the mid-2000s called The House of Mouse, which was an amazing series where it was basically the entire it's what the app should have been themed around it's um it was like a a a weekly disney award show where every disney character would go to the same venue and they'd watch shorts together and so that could be you know a new like little mermaid short was like a 15 minute thing they'd show classic uh mickey shorts uh and like they'd show you know uh like pilots of new animated series coming to disney channel okay like it was such a cool concept it was it was almost mystery mystery science theater 3000 sure but without the snark yeah but with mickey and like every disney character so you so you would like pan over and you'd see scar having a drink with ursula yeah it was so much fun that is kind of fun uh and that's not not even mentioned okay uh, last few, because I can see you're say, getting very bored already. It's like, wait, did it get deeper and more <laughs> esoteric than the House of Mouse? Yes. Uh, Jet Jackson, the movie in the series, The Buzz on Maggie, Dave the Barbarian, Fish Hooks, Brandy and Mr. Whiskers, Life with Derek, Corey in the house, and Pair of Kings are kind of the, the, the bulk of the rest of my list. Okay. So, <laughs> obviously, there is a lot still to go up there, but, I mean, the idea, I would imagine, is that they would kind of roll things out over time mm-hmm. so that they can have things like, oh, hey, like, coming to Disney Plus this month, the same way that Netflix is like, coming to Netflix this month, right? Yes. The idea of, like, trying to kind of keep people incentivized to come back because something new is on there they hadn't mm-hmm. discovered before or even yeah. just reminding them that it's on there. Which is my biggest problem with them releasing everything on Friday. 
Like all their shows are this on Fridays? Yes. So I didn't know that. every original series, new episodes are all on Friday, which I think is the dumbest way to roll out a series. That is interesting that they, they don't have a, a broader programming perspective, but maybe they're also assuming that everyone is watching very specific things. Maybe they're running with the assumption like you're going on there to... They, maybe they assume that everyone's not you, Cameron, who's trying to watch all of it. They probably assume like, okay, everyone is going in to watch The Mandalorian or like this group of people is watching The Mandalorian. This group of mm-hmm. people is watching High School Musical, the series or whatever it's called. And they probably want to put it out on a Friday because, again, it's all catered around family programming, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it comes out on a Friday. So you as a family can sit down and watch it together on a Friday night or on a Saturday night or whatever, Sunday afternoon. I think they want to have it out there so that it's that idea of like, family this is all speculative family communal viewings put mm-hmm. up on a friday assuming that that family is only maybe watching one or two of things together yeah and the rest is just you know everyone has their their silo their niche that they're going mm-hmm. for but but that's also my argument though is it, this is a family network so dad can watch mando Mom can watch Encore. Kid well, can watch Forky. Yeah, but then it doesn't matter that it's only coming out on the weekend. But then they can all... Yeah, so that's my thing. So then... So that can be the weekend stuff. But then the family show, which everyone watches together, which can be the Imagineering Story, uh, Goldblum, uh, what are the ones I'm missing? Uh, we, don't, fam- we don't have to do lists. <laughs> You're right, we don't. Um, have those come out on like a Tuesday night where it's like, okay, the family's all... T- like, this is going to be our family night now. It's family... Like, Tuesday night was we're all going to watch the show together. And that could be really sweet. That makes sense. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why they're only doing Fridays. I, I know. I have know that. have your big weird, hitters but... on Friday. So have High School Musical uh, and Mando on Friday. Uh, they have a show, I think, just called like like Sundays with Disney. That thing comes out on Friday. Oh, really? I'm like, what are you doing with why this? Why is that on no, Sunday? It's called fam- uh, Families with Divs. I don't know. That. It's not important. The um, day of the week isn't in the title. It's not in the week. So now your your umbrage over its release schedule is no longer valid. Yes, but it's still a good point. Uh, like have Forky on Sunday. Sunday is for like parents to just drop their kid in front of the TV. At least that's how it was in my family. Uh, that's how that was every day. That, yeah, that's a burn on you, mom. It wasn't actually them <laughs> dropping. It's just that that was the only option. Yeah, it was. Because <laughs> uh, I had to scream and wail unless exactly. they put me right in front of the television. Um, but yeah, have like the Forky shorts on Sunday so the kid can just like sit in front of the TV and watch it. Uh, Encore is a, it, Encore is a weekday show. That's not a weekend show. Yeah. I don't know, Cameron. Okay. I, I don't have an answer as to why they're doing that. But I mean, like the thing is, is it's already been very successful. Yes. So as of day one, they had over 10 million subscribers, which is pretty crazy. Now that does factor in. Uh, people who pre-purchase it, such as ourselves, mm-hmm. that factors in uh, a whole bunch of free year subscriptions that were given out as part of a, a Verizon deal. Mm-hmm. It also factors in that you could do a free trial. So we don't know if at the end of that week how many people retained or how many people retained after the first year. But that's still big numbers. It's, yeah. it's higher than expected. Yeah, and, and um, I think they are definitely using this to their advantage because Netflix is notorious for not sharing any data. Yeah, and so I think Disney just throwing out as big as num well, as big of numbers as possible. So the articles I was reading some articles on Variety today to try and just brush up on some of the numbers. And what I read too is that they put that out, but they're otherwise not really intending to put out numbers going forward. Which is it, it kind of makes sense. The advantage of having your own streaming platform is that you know the behaviors and the data on everyone watching it, and you don't have to share it. Mm-hmm. You just don't because it's yours. It's your it's coming through your platform. Yeah. So we're probably not going to see a lot more. Netflix, yeah, notoriously doesn't put out stuff. Um, what's interesting is as of right now, apparently, there hasn't really been a noticeable dip in Netflix usage or viewership. So apparently Netflix has, what was it, the number? It's 60 million subscribers in the U.S. and 158 million worldwide, which is insane. That's, yeah. It's really insane. I mean, they are the tier the tier that everyone's going to try and go after. I feel like mm-hmm. if anyone can possibly do it, it's uh, it's Disney. Yeah, but but that that I think leads into all of the faults I think Disney Plus has right now. Okay. The biggest one, the the most absurd one, because it's such a quick fix that an intern can do it. I think I don't know how programming a streaming service works. Um, I noticed this the minute I got on the server. First of all, the service came out an hour early. I don't know if you knew this. No. Uh, on the Tuesday night, it came out an hour early. Uh, I cried for five minutes, staring at my computer on the home screen, <laughs> just scrolling through everything that I had at my fingertips now. 
no comment yeah <laughs> five full minutes of just tears uh because it came out one hour early Cameron, i don't think i've ever <laughs> cried for five minutes straight in my whole life it, i i don't think i have since my last breakup <laughs> fair enough um but yeah so that was my emotional state when when first looking at the glory that was the disney plus app how um, did you know it came out an hour early oh because all of my friends knew oh fair enough um mm-hmm. uh, so the first thing that i noticed uh was the major issue is when you organize things alphabetically uh especially with series someone was i assume just copying and pasting the titles into the search engine mm-hmm. so when you organize it properly uh so half the mo- half the series have disney in the title you know it doesn't it doesn't actually belong there. So yeah. when you organize it alphabetically, randomly in the DI section, everything jumps out of order because you have Disney's Wizards of Waverly Place before Doug. Okay, yeah, that, mm. that's yeah. So you so and that's probably half of the series are bundled yeah. up in that section. Yes. So it's impossible to find anything <laughs> properly. As a as someone who's incredibly pedantic, I can appreciate. It's so frustrating because yeah. I was scrolling through and I like immediately made it to like the like the s's i'm like where was kim possible and i'm like oh it's not disney's kim possible uh and that's what's frustrating is you don't know what has the disney in front of it and what doesn't right uh because it's technically supposed doug is is actually the one that's supposed to be disney's doug that's literally the name of the show because they had to differentiate differentiate once they bought it from nickelodeon yes it was a separate show so Disney's I can Doug tell you're very upset about Disney's, this. It's so, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Disney's Doug and Disney's Teacher's Pet are the only two that have Disney's in the name, but neither of them were on the list. Have you written an angry letter yet? I have so many. <laughs> to Bob himself. Everyone that would listen, dear Mr. Iger, fix this, please. I just want to see where even Stevens is supposed to be. <laughs> Okay. So I got a little lightheaded on that one. Okay. I can see why this is a major <laughs> issue. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's a very minor big issue for me. Um, another one is they don't have a continue watching feature, which I think is, is Oh is, yeah, I noticed that too. Heinous for, I that for how like accustomed we've become to Netflix because everyone else does. Netflix has one, Amazon has one, Hulu has one. Yeah. You um, pick up where you left off. Yeah. And it's not only that it doesn't have a continue watching feature. If you click a show, so I've been rewatching Kim Possible religiously, um, and you press play on like the Kim Possible page home screen, it will always start you with the beginning of episode one. Mm-hmm. So I have to remember what episode I ended on and then go back and find it in the list. Oh, okay. I mm-hmm. see. Yeah, that's your yeah, so if I'm on episode, you know, season two, episode 18... I have to always go back to that point. So I have to remember where I left off. Okay. Um, But it will remember uh, where you were in the episode if you had already started it. Okay. So that's convenient. Um, So finally, a point for Disney. Finally, Disney did something right. This is the most I've ever heard you badmouth Disney. (laughs) A very concentrated point. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, there's a handful of other bugs that I've noted. I have to refresh it every now and then. I have to sign off, sign out and sign back in every now and then. Um, Yeah, I find that sometimes when I go to click on the new episode of Mandalorian, it's like trouble playing this episode. Then it's like click on it from a different place and it it works Mm -hmm. fine. Yeah, so so there's like the the typical bugs you have on any any new site with so much heavy traffic. Yeah. Um, Another very, very, very small pedantic thing that, that bugs me is uh, you can't favorite things from the homepage. Oh, so like, if, when I'm like, scrolling through, I have to actually click on the Lizzie McGuire movie, then press favorite, then go back to the homepage. God, it's so much work. It's two clicks. That's two more clicks than needed. Oh, it's, it's so inefficient. I can see why it's so frustrating for it you. It is. So I uh, deactivated my Disney Plus account. <laughs> yeah, it's, Cameron's abandoned it entirely. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's set fire to the Disney sweatshirt he is currently wearing. <laughs> he has the giant Disneyland sweater. <laughs> Yep. And also the Avengers hat that he is currently <laughs> wearing. Yep. And okay, those are just yeah, normal, no, normal, those socks. Are normal purple socks. Yeah. But okay. Um, <laughs> yes. So those are my upfront complaints okay. of the app. Now, without venturing back into the list territory, <laughs> I know how much you love your lists. What what have you been watching that's really been standing out for you? Like, I know you've been watching The Mandalorian, which we do want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, do we just want to go into originals or do we want to go into everything? 
I mean, let's let's actually talk about the originals because what what's ever is up there that's legacy content, like everyone is seeing it. Yeah. At this point, so I mean, I know you've been watching Kim Possible. Yeah, I mean, Kim Possible, Recess, Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. Um, those those are kind of my 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 go to three things, mm-hmm. and and I've I've shifted my sleep schedule, so now I fall asleep to them now, and it's very delightful. Oh man, so many thoughts. <laughs> uh, okay, but I haven't had a good night's sleep in two weeks, Chris, <laughs> for very different reasons. Uh, okay, what? What what of the new content of the original yes. content are, are you um, uh, so, so really two, excited about? Uh, the stuff, my top three things right now, by no one's surprise: Mandalorian, High School Musical, the musical, the series, and the Imagineering story. Wait, wait, sorry, it's called High School Musical, the, the musical, musical, the series. The series. Yes, HSMTMTS. I mean, I, oh, I, <laughs> I, I do love overuse of a colon. So yes. this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's. Let's save Mandalorian towards the end so mm-hmm. we can both talk about it. Yeah. Um, I, I did try, because I knew we were going to do this episode, I tried to watch at least one episode of every original. Okay. Uh, and I, I have not finished either of the movies. I've started Noel, haven't finished it yet, and I have not watched Lady and the Tramp, because I'm uh, assuming I'm going to watch that with my family okay. over Thanksgiving. Okay. So, all right. Uh, let's talk about the Imagineering story, because that, that oh, one sounded really interesting God. to me, and that's one I want to start watching. So uh, tell me about it's, it. It's 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 my favorite thing on the app. Really? Okay. By 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 a pretty large margin. So what <clears throat> is it exactly? Uh, so there's three episodes out right now. I've only watched episode one. Um, it is it is a full documentary series about the creation of uh, not only the Disney parks but the creation of the job title Imagineering. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it 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 goes by decade. So the first episode. Uh, was all about the creation of Disneyland, the creation of the Imagineers, where they came from, and it ends 1966 with Walt's death. Okay. And the last line is is basically like, they're interviewing the Imagineers that are still alive from back in the day, um, and one of them was like, "Oh, we we all went out to dinner after his after his passing, um, and it was literally like, okay, what." do we do now? Yeah. We, we don't know where to go from here. Well, I assume the first thing they did was draw a pentagram on the ground and try and bring back his spirit to get some advice. Yeah. Uh, and that was a great, Dra- drag him out from the depths of hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a great quote by one of the guys. Uh, uh, and now we, uh, he said, uh, and now we find out how much of our job Walt actually did for us. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is so like, I feel like contradictory to what we always hear about Walt. Like he was the guy that just like, Everyone did everything for him, mm-hmm. but like seeing, talking to the Imagineers and seeing how much passion he put into this park. Well, I mean, yeah, he he was steering the ship. Yeah, at the end of the day, like he had that thirty thousand foot view of the whole thing, of the company, of the park, of everything, and like that is critical. I mean, we've talked about it before. Why like Kevin Feige is so critical to the MCU because he has that sort of perspective. So I, mm-hmm. I can totally understand why they could have that mentality. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote some quick highlights for the first Imagineering story just to kind of get people super interested in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they interviewed Imagineer Bob Gurr, who's one of the most... He created uh, the Matterhorn. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one that brought, like, the amusement into the theme park. Uh, and so there's a, a beautiful story about every cast member that has ever worked ma- uh, the Matterhorn, they signed this wall, and Bob had never signed the wall. So they, like, got to film him signing this this wall oh. oh it was they they uh disney's so good at pulling at them heartstrings uh yes they're very good at emotional manipulation mm-hmm. yes. uh they did confirm the basketball court in the matterhorn okay oh which is cool um one of the imagineers so we we've both talked about uh why why we feel uh galaxy's edge feels a little off compared to the rest of disney and they yeah. talked about uh, the big thing and and one of the things is when they were building disneyland was the kinetic energy of the park and it's wherever you are, you can see a ride moving, you can hear something going on. Oh, interesting. Okay. It, it hits every sense. So you, you, you're never feeling like you're just standing still. And that's what Galaxy's Edge is missing. Right, because the only ride open as of now, at the end of the day, both rides, when they do open, will only be inside. Yeah. And even then, like, there's, there's a couple characters walking around, but they're kind of doing their own things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's not really a lot happening in the markets. No, the like the, the droid build is inside, the lightsaber builds, you can't even look at. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely indoors. Um, yeah, actually, that's a very good point. That the All the attractions there are... And there's no music. Uh, uh, it's, I think there's music in the marketplace, right? 
there's very quiet music, yes, and there's music in the bathrooms. Yeah. But when you're in just uh and when you're walking through the resistance area, there's like the the animal noises. Yeah. But outside of that, if you're standing in front of the Falcon, it's silent. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Well, because the whole thing, yeah, the whole thing is it's supposed to be, you know, in the universe. So you're not gonna hear the Star Wars theme anywhere. Yeah. Um, so they're talking about that, which is super interesting. Um they were talking about bringing in like animators and architects and how they kind of found their place in Imagineering. Um, they talked about like a jazz band. It's not all the same instrument. Uh, you kind of need everyone having their own specialties coming in. And that was kind of Walt's idea with building the park mm-hmm. is it's not just architects he brought in. Like architects made architecture and that was boring. So he brought in concept artists and they made stories. Yeah. Um, and that was super cool. Um, there was a great line. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's a great line, last little quote. It's a great line by this character, uh, by this woman named Allie, Alice Davis, uh, who's wives of one of the original Nine Old Men. She created all the Small World costumes. Oh, what? Yeah, and so she, when she was talking to Walt about it, she's like, "Oh, well, how much do I have per costume? I need to know like price point." And he said, "No, no, no. You're here to design every doll. You're here to design a doll that every woman would want from age one to one hundred. We have a whole building over there full of people who will find the money for you." I'm like, "That's." That's pretty awesome. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it, it takes, it's each decade of Disney park history. Okay. And it's so cool. Uh, so that's my number one by okay. far. And how is High School Musical, the musical, the series? So good, Chris. It's so good. I know you're not, I know. I'm not, it's, it's not my thing. I have I know. no interest in High School Musical Here, here's, whatsoever. Here's my, my pitch for you for it is, is the music is so secondary it's a mockumentary in high school. Don't care. Okay. I, I, I love that combination. It's something I'm surprised took this long to figure no, out. The, from what you've described, and why don't you go ahead and like briefly. <laughs> Sorry, I know. Repitch what the show is. The Imagineering one was one that I just really wanted to hammer in. Uh, but like, just real quickly re-explain for people what the show is. Because it actually is a pretty clever meta concept for yeah. those who haven't heard you mention it five times before. So it's the, the school they filmed. The, the, sh- the film location for the original high school musical movie, movies, um, that school in this middle earth uh, is putting on a production of high school musical. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it is a, yeah, it's a scripted show in the guise of being a mockumentary. Yes. Uh, and it's, it's very fun. The characters are very charming and relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, it... It, it has a similar kind of energy that um, Booksmart has, with okay. like very very nice characters. Yeah, um, no, I mean it's a it's a really genius idea. It's much better than just doing a remake or doing like a spinoff sort of thing. Like the sort of smart meta approach to it is really clever. Yeah, uh, and it, it's funny listening to the characters. They're like, oh, I'm a diehard fan. I've seen High School Musical one eleven times, and I'm like, please, as a child's numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Step up your game. <laughs> I'm like, come on, eleven. I saw eleven in the first year. Oh my god. <laughs> You're not gonna bop at the top with those numbers, honey. <laughs> no, not even coming close. Um yeah, so it's it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great, just like 30 minute just fun high school romp. Okay. Um do you want to talk about Mando, or do we yeah, save that for the last no, one? Yeah, let's do let's do some talk about uh, Mandalorian here. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's the only thing I've watched so far. Only originally I've watched so far on Disney Plus. Um, are you are you have you watched all three episodes? I've watched all three episodes. Okay, so this we will get into spoilers in the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. I think there's really no way to avoid it. Um, I quite like it. Mm-hmm. Let's, talk the, let's start with the positive things first. I have like one big negative, but let's start with the positive things first. Okay, I think, I think the atmosphere is fantastic. I love the look of it. Yeah, it's. Absolutely gorgeous. They put the money into it. Like there are shots of like the ship flying around. And, like this looks like it was for a movie, not done for a TV show. Like yeah. the, the money is absolutely on screen. Um, the aesthetic is fantastic. It feels really. It, it reminds me a lot of Rogue One, which you and I have slightly different opinions on. I love Rogue One because it's like taking Star Wars of the era when it originally came out, but with all the modern capabilities, and mm-hmm. it just looks fucking beautiful. And this show looks gorgeous. Uh, I like the the look of the Mandalorian. I actually kind of prefer his first con- like his first yeah, uniform I'm not, more than the the exposed metal one that he has uh, at the, the end of episode three. At the episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, no, like so. So for the people who haven't watched yet, it's it's uh, Fetch Quest the series. Sorry, what now? A Fetch Quest is in a. Oh, okay. I thought Fetch Quest was like an actual thing. But no, no, okay. It's a video game term. 
Okay, makes sense. Yeah, it, where you just like go do something and come back to the same spot. Yeah, so that's interesting because I was talking to my brother about uh, about the show. I guess the first two episodes, and he made that comment too. It felt like watching a video game. That that's exactly my note. Is uh, it's I, I wrote. Uh, it's like watching someone play a really well-written Star Wars video game, but the person playing isn't good at the controls yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because mm-hmm. it, is, it is a little slow. For me, that worked in the first episode when it was a little bit slow. It was just like I like the pace of it. I like spending time in this world and just getting accustomed to the aesthetic and the tone and the atmosphere and everything like that. I didn't love the second episode, which felt like a filler quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think now I've just gotten really impatient with shows that drag out their storytelling. I'm mostly blaming slash complimenting the good place for that, which is burn through story so fast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously the first episode ends with this big reveal of the, the bounty he's after is this, we don't know the name of the species of, of Yoda, but everyone's mm-hmm. calling him Baby Yoda, although it's not actually Yoda. But yeah. It's one of his species who's 50 years old, but he's a little baby because they age so slowly, who's adorable. I, I'm amazed Disney didn't capitalize on this already and, like, they don't have merch in the parks yet. Yeah, I think I read somewhere they're going to have it by Christmas. I was going to say, if, if you put a Santa hat on that thing, Jesus Christ. I will buy every one of them. All of them. It's, it is so cute. Mm-hmm. They really know how to do that. And, like, it's cute, but also still feels like it makes sense in the universe. Like, I will always kind of roll my eyes a bit at the Ewoks because it's just like, this is dumb. Yeah. But they are really smart with doing their little baby Yoda thing. He's super cute. So that's a great reveal at the end. Like also that shoot at the end of the first episode's amazing. With, so good. With him and IG eleven, of course, mm-hmm. voiced by Taika Watiti, who's fantastic. Like that's a great shootout, like great action beats. And then, you know, that that final moment when he shoots IG eleven and, and takes the kid mm-hmm. rather than letting the kid get shot. The second episode to me was just a little bit pointless. I was like, okay, so he gets back and his ship's been scrapped by Jawas. Like I felt like one, really you have no security protocols in place to prevent that from happening. And two, they essentially destroyed that ship. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to put it together in a real quick montage with Nick Nolte's weird Ugnot alien. I loved him. I love him too. I have spoken. I have spoken. He was great. But just like, that was a little bit silly to me. Like, I thought maybe they should have only just taken a couple key components rather than scrapping the whole thing. Yeah. It's like taking like the engine. Yeah. And I feel like that episode was only there just to build up some time with him and the kid, which felt like it could have been done a little bit faster. But I liked episode three a lot. Mm-hmm. When he gets back. Oh, that, that final... I, I don't want to talk too much about episode three, because that, that is a little too fresh. Um, well, by the time this comes out, episode five will have aired. Okay, okay, yeah, we can talk about that. Oh, no, episode four will have aired. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it then. Yeah. Uh, the, the last scene with all of the other Mandalorians, the only thing that I saw was, like, every one of those in a toy box. Yep. I, I saw a great thing on Facebook, and it was... Uh, Every convention next year, it was just a sea of all the different Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. Um, I no, but I, I quite liked it. You know that he brings the kid back and he he's all cool with it and he just asks that question of like what's going to happen. And also, I love that the guy he's talking to is Werner Herzog because he just he has such great voice. It's, it's like, so good. How how uncharacteristic of your kind. It's just like oh, that voice is so juicy. I love it. Mm. I love you're, his Werner Herzog you're breaking the code. He's breaking the code. Um, but you know, like we always knew he was going to come back, but then when he comes back, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good action sequence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, with him flying off and the kid, I, I wasn't expecting the show to go this way and I, I'm kind of glad. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cause I don't know where it's going now. Yeah. Cause I guess now like the bounty hunters get will probably be after him. So, uh, it's, my, it's space John Wick. My brother, Wes. So my <laughs> brother Wes texted me right before the, the podcast. I haven't had a chance to text him back, but he's like, what do you think? I'm like, oh, it was good. He's like, yeah, it's like. It's like Star Wars John Wick. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's kind of epic. Yeah. I'm totally here for it. Uh, so, I mean, I've been really enjoying it, and it looks beautiful, and it's definitely one of the shows that I, I give the time of day. I sit and I properly watch it. I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, same. I will say this, though. Mm-hmm. To me, it hasn't yet proven that it needs to be a TV show. You think this could have been a, a I think this could have been a movie. Now, obviously, we aren't far enough in yet to know what the overall arc of this thing is, but it is clearly a show. What's interesting, it's a show with a, a character that – it's very passive and very kind of ill-defined, but they're clearly giving an arc to him because he's doing his. The, there's a, a a beat where he does something out of character. It's going to lead to a, a, the rest of the story. So, essentially, they've spent, you know, what two two and a half hours setting up thirty minutes of a film, 
And I've, I've enjoyed most of it. I'm also just like, you haven't really proven to me why this needs to be a TV show. So the, the other show I'm watching right now at the same time is Watchmen, which I've been mm-hmm. really enjoying. I'm caught up on that now. So episode five as of recording of this. So good. And that is totally proven that it needs to be a TV show because a lot of characters, lots of intricate things are going on. They're setting things up, paying them off later, setting up mysteries, answering them, setting up more mysteries. Like it has that that rolling, building, complex narrative that you want out of a really good, juicy show. And this is so far very minimal, and it hasn't really proven yet that it needs to be a TV show. I I, I agree with that. I also kind of like that aspect, though, where it feels very much like an old Western. Where yeah. it's like, we're just kind of like, we're getting one question, and then we get the answer. And now we're going to get our next question yeah. in the next episode. And it's it's... I feel like I haven't seen that in so long. No. I feel like every show I've been watching recently has been the like question, 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 answer, question, question, answer, yeah. question, question, answer. But I I still feel like you could do that and have it be kind of a slow build Western without having it be spread out quite so. Yeah. I mean, I thin. still I, I'm still firmly in the belief that this should have been a video game. Well, I mean, there's that's a whole bunch. There's all these conversations about it, right? Because there was that video game, uh, 1313, oh, which was don't even which was going to be begin to talk about 13, Boba 13. Fett battling his way through the underground, like the, the little underworld of Coruscant. Yeah, it, it was going to be um, Arkham Asylum, Star Wars. Exactly with Boba Fett, and it ultimately got scrapped. And we've even seen some like concept art re- leak that show that there's some visual similarities, even in terms of how the Mando is designed. It clearly mm-hmm. came from that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think about that game once a month. I mean, it would have been amazing. It, it so, genuinely would have been there, amazing. There's a, if, if you haven't seen it, there's like a seven-minute gameplay reel from E3, God, like 2008 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's the Star Wars game that everyone's always wanted and just never came yeah. to be. I, I haven't bought or played yet um, Fallen Order, but I'm Neither I've, I've heard good things. I'm mm-hmm. kind of curious about it. But no, I, I would agree with you. This feels like maybe it could have been a movie or it could have been a, t- uh, a video game, excuse me, and it, I'm still really enjoying it. What if it was just a podcast? would have been fine with that too i mean a just very a very boring yeah, <laughs> yeah. just just not saying anything um it's just a foley podcast yeah but look i mean we've covered a lot of different aspects of this at the end of the day like i like the platform i'm excited about it i'm excited about the potential in terms of the content it's going to give us for star wars in terms of what it's going to give us for marvel which we haven't had any new marvel content yet we haven't mm-hmm. even gotten into that yet i do i do th- one one tiny note on marvel i do think it was very mean of them with the timing of things, because right before uh, Disney Plus came out, Kevin Feige did make an announcement of like, if you want to stay current, uh, yeah, current with every Marvel thing, you have to have Disney Plus. Saying that before Disney Plus, when no Marvel content is coming out yet, yeah. I feel like kind of lured in fans that weren't expecting to get it yet. Yeah, and I feel like that's very uh, rude of Disney to do. A little bit. Um- yeah, that'll be very our first thing isn't until next summer, right? Or even next winter. I think so. It's it's a bit of a ways out, unfortunately. It's yeah. not great timing. So we're we're kind of getting held over on other things. But you know, there I definitely want to start digging into like some of the other stuff. Like I know a lot of people, like my brother included, have been watching uh like the X-Men animated series from the nineties. So actually, a note on that because he sent me this. I didn't realize this, but like a lot of shows at that time, the watch like the broadcast order is asinine it's completely out of touch with the the story order yeah so in the show notes of this episode i will have a link to an article that'll tell you the proper way to watch x-men animated series if you're watching it amazing i will also include a link to an article actually from starwars.com that tells you the right order to watch the clone wars in because that also is a complete jumbled mess but that is a great show well worth watching Mm -hmm. but if you're going to do it watch it in the order in this article the actual like canonical story chronological order not the ridiculous order they put it out in in terms of broadcast mm-hmm. um i don't is so is there one thing on there you haven't watched yet that you're still excited to get into uh i i'm excited to finish noel uh for new stuff and then for old stuff um lilo and stitch series oh is, that's is, on is there really oh, that's on nice. yeah. i watched the, the first episode and then jumped over to kim possible um I'm excited to rewatch Even Stevens. Okay. Because the, the musical episode is like one of the best things Disney's ever put out. Okay. Um, I mean, all the DCOMs, obviously. Uh, and then then kind of like the things that, that I missed in my Disney like history of the like 70s and 80s stuff. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that's my biggest hole right now. Okay. Especially all the live action stuff of the, the mid to late 80s. Sure. Um, yeah. Gotta gotta fill in that void. Oh no, there's a documentary. Sorry, that's the one. 
Uh, there's a documentary that came out 10 years ago. They completely passed by me, but it's my favorite lesson to give to people. And it's called Waking Sleeping Beauty. Have you ever heard of it? No. It's a documentary that talks about the decline and then rise again of Disney animation from Sleeping Beauty to the end of the Renaissance. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. And that's my favorite thing to to give a a lesson to. Even if people don't care to listen, I will talk anyway. Uh, about like you, you know the decline in animation quality, how much money they were putting into it. Yeah. How the animation uh, studios almost completely shut down in the late in the mid eighties because Eisner is not a great person in my opinion. Um, and then its resurgence with The Little Mermaid. Okay, mm-hmm. but that's not really cool. Yeah. All right, I'll check that out. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's I think top of my list after all the originals. Okay. Yeah, like I, I definitely want to check that out. That's really cool. I want to watch the Imagineering story. I want to check out the uh, Jeff Goldblum thing because I just mm-hmm. love Jeff Goldblum. It's very weird. I love it. I love it. It's I, so. Oh, he's. Such I love. A, I love me some Goldblum. Uh, and then the one, the show I am excited to watch. I'm just not sure when I'm going to get to it. Is of course X Men Evolution, our yeah. favorite X Men show, mm-hmm. which is up there. Um, but I am still actually watching the stuff for the normal purview of this podcast of the DCAU. Yep. Uh, and I'm still getting caught up on Brave and the Bold, so I'm not sure when that'll get slotted in there. Yeah. Oh, and, and we're also. Um, I think next week is when we're getting the first round of more new stuff. Okay. Uh, so we're getting a another Disneyland documentary coming out next week, which is like the life of uh, like Disney cast members. So yeah, someone working the day shift, midday shift and night shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just more stuff about that that cool. I don't know yet. Cool. Uh, and then a couple other new things that I don't know yet. Nice. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's good stuff out there. We have our criticisms and we were very like, just end is nigh. Alphabetize <laughs> things. Disney a just learn to of- alphabetize. Yeah, look, I mean, we can we can have pretty realistic concerns about just general entertainment and monopolization, but we're also very much suckered into enjoying the stuff they're giving us nonetheless. Yeah. Well, we'll take that bread and circuses yep. and yes, enjoy it. Uh, but no, if you guys have been watching stuff, if you have thoughts on The Mandalorian or High School Musical, the musical, the series. Thanks some TMTS, yeah. Uh, or just anything else, or if you have perspectives on what we were talking about in terms of the, the monopolization of the industry and the, the potential withdrawal of these antitrust laws, really curious to get other people's perspective. I think you and I are very much absorbed in all this because it's the, the world we live in, the world we work in. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious what people think about that. Yeah, so. same. Yeah. Also, uh, if you just, we were plugging this in the last episode too. If you guys have like questions about entertainment or just like fun thoughts you want us mm-hmm. to, to talk about just uh, life in hollywood in general yeah if you want us how many how many premiere parties do we go to uh every one of them all all of them every single one of them i know i have i haven't missed one since 2006 nowhere near enough room in my schedule for <laughs> all of the premieres we must I attend know. at all times i know i've worn holes in all of my tuxedos at this point mm-hmm. Uh, but no, like we, we always love uh, getting questions to you guys and having stuff to talk about. And I always love to hear what your thoughts on these things too. But you can find us at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Cameron, right. where can they find you? Uh, you can find my art page at Cameron.Dexter on Instagram and my face at CamDexter underscore adventures. Boom, boom, boom. And you can find me at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We will be back next week with actual more Static Shock. Uh, unless I'm... Uh, absorbed by Disney by then. That's true. You you are very much borderline part of the collective at this point. Yeah, I, you, you see what I'm, you see what I look like. Yes, I know. The problem is you've already set fire to all of your Disney clothes <laughs> until they put things in alphabetical yeah. order proper. I know. Until we get Disney's Static Shock, <laughs> give it time. Yeah, it'll happen. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye.